send in the Marines. If we ever needed them, we need them now. Now that we're in the final home stretch of the last weekend of the election, the left is truly becoming desperate, and I mean desperate. The lunacy that's coming out of places on the left coast and others truly boggles the mind. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe in the iTunes App Store to NP Online. You can also listen by way of Android device by going to the Google Play Store and downloading our Podbean app. That's a hosting service that we use, and you can subscribe to the, uh, the show that way. Well, yesterday I told you just exactly what was at stake in this election, just about everything that gives us a reason to wake up in the morning here in the United States, the freedom to do what we please as we please within the limits of the law and not be interfered with and told what to do by government. I also told you that accountability was on the ballot. If Donald Trump is not reelected, prosecutions of people that should be prosecuted will not go forward, such as Hillary Clinton and her ilk, even though they may not go after her because it may seem unseemly to go after a former presidential candidate. But something's going to have to be done to her Confederates in the administration, such as John Brennan and James Clapper and James Comey, who defrauded a federal court, the FISA court, and that is no small deal. All these things will go by the wayside. In addition, attempted prosecutions of people who should not be prosecuted, such as General Michael Flynn, will attempt to go forward. Of course, that won't go very far because even if he should lose, I fully expect that President Trump, before he leaves office, will pardon General Flynn fully. In fact, if he's reelected, which I expect that he will be, I wouldn't put it past him to bring General Flynn back. But lest you think I was joking, um, there are a number of people who are joking about this. Uh, I am not. I want you to listen to something, something that I will read for you. Now, I heard this on a couple of radio shows. I couldn't believe it. Uh, now, other uh, websites are trying to say this was taken out of context, that this was not Governor Newsom's guidelines, that these were guidelines given by uh, the California Department of Public Health. But the California Department of Public Health works for the governor, and if they disagreed with the governor, I would think the governor would have said something. But let me tell you whether it's attributable to either the governor himself or, uh, by proxy, the State of California Health and Human Services Agency, which is the California Department of Public Health. Wait till you hear these guidelines that were released on October 9th to all Californians. This is Guidance for Private Gatherings. Now, in case you don't know what a private gathering is, that's uh, a gathering you might have in your household, like for the upcoming holidays that we all love, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Now, these are mandatory requirements for all gatherings. I'm not talking about gatherings that you decided to book privately in a restaurant where you took a catering hall or you took a, a private room in a restaurant, made it a private event, which is a place where people go publicly and the state might have a legitimate interest in uh, controlling behaviors uh, in those areas so as to prevent a contagion. I'm talking about you and your home where the government has no business being. Attendance. Gatherings that include more than three households are prohibited. 
So that means the uh, police, I guess we can expect, will be outside your home to see if the guests that are coming to your home for Thanksgiving are coming from more than three different households. So if you want to invite relatives that uh, live in more than three different households and they're coming to your house, no good. Forget it. Remember, smaller is safer. Now, keep the households that you do interact with stable over time. In other words, spend time with the same people. Risk of transmission is reduced. So if you were thinking about having your family over for Thanksgiving and perhaps your in-laws over for Christmas and Hanukkah, well, nix that. Make sure you have whatever family members you want to have. Keep them all the same for all the holidays or, or just don't host them. Got to keep those transmissions down. Participating in multiple gatherings with different households or groups is strongly discouraged. Now, also, the host, and that would be you, should collect names of all the attendees and contact information in case contact tracing is needed later. I would think you would have known who the attendees were before you, in, before you had the dinner. I mean, after all, you invited them. How did you get in touch with them in the first place if you didn't have their contact information? But better yet, gather outdoors. Gatherings that occur outdoors are significantly safer than indoor gatherings. All gatherings must be held outside. Attendees may go inside to use restrooms. Well, that's big of the governor and the Department of Health, as long as the restrooms are frequently sanitized. And gatherings may occur in outdoor spaces that are covered by umbrellas, canopies, awnings, roofs, or other shade structures, provided that at least three sides of the space, 75%, are open to the outdoors. Well, I have to say there's a certain nostalgia there. You can't, you can't say it escapes you. Why not freeze our butts off in November on Thanksgiving just like the pilgrims did way back in the original Thanksgiving? Why not have all our hot food served cold? Makes perfect sense to me. Why go and use a, a dining room table you may have spent thousands of dollars for protected inside a warm home when we can go out into the frigid cold, particularly if it rains or snows, and we can eat there. Uh, now, a gathering of no more than three households is permitted in a public park or other outdoor space, even if unrelated gatherings of other groups of up to three households are also occurring in the same park or outdoor space. See, so it's okay if we have 10 gatherings in a public park and they each have three households each, which would mean that there were 30 households in the, par in the park. That's okay, but you can't have four in your house. That's verboten. Now, the other thing is, uh, but you can't coordinate the gatherings. Now, don't, get, don't attend any gatherings if you feel sick. Well, that strikes me as kind of common sense. And practice physical distancing, hand hygiene at these gatherings. Uh, the space must be large enough so that everyone at the gathering can maintain at least six feet distance from each other. So you better have a real big table. So if you're having people from even two households, you're probably going to need something that looked like it came out of King Arthur and the Knights at the Round Table so we can have six feet between each diner, which is going to make it awfully difficult to pass the mashed potatoes, I would think, unless you have one of those things in the supermarket that they use to grab stock off the shelves. Uh, they also tell you that you have to keep your faces covered unless you're actually engaged in eating. So when you walk in, you have to have your face covered. And then when you sit down to eat, when you're actively eating, you can uncover your face. And then as soon as you stop eating, you have to cover it back up. 
Now, they also tell you not to shout or engage in reverie, uh, sing, uh, basically anything that would cause you to have fun and want to get together in the first place. Because if you do this, you could spread the disease. So I can't wait to see these gatherings with people sitting 10 feet apart to provide adequate social distancing, having their mouths covered up with the masks so that people who are hard of hearing like grandpa, who usually relies on reading lips, can't even see what the hell you're saying. And he can't hear you because you're over six feet away from him. And there's other people talking because everyone they're talking to is more than six feet away from them. And he'll say, how about those Dodgers? What? I'm not an old codger. I mean, I, I could just see it now. It's going to be just a recipe for disaster. And keep the meeting short. Gathering should be two hours of less or less. The longer the duration, the risk of transmission increases. Now, come on. I don't know about you, but I'm Italian. We got together. It took us two hours just to get past the salad and the antipasto and maybe the lasagna before we even got to the turkey. Two hours. Two hours, we were just warming up. And they have rules, as I alluded to a moment earlier, for singing, chanting, and shouting. Now, singing, chanting, shouting, and physical exertion significantly increases the risk of COVID-19 transmission because these activities increase the release of respiratory droplets and find aerosols into the air. Because of this, singing, chanting, and shouting are strongly discouraged. But if they occur, the following rules and recommendations apply. All people who are singing or chanting should wear a face covering at all times while singing or chanting, including anyone who is leading a song or chant, because these activities pose a very high risk of COVID-19 transmission. Face coverings are essential to reduce the spread of respiratory droplets and fine aerosols. Uh, you got to stay six feet away if you're doing this, and you got to do so quietly at volume below a normal speaking voice. So like when we get together on New Year's Eve and you want to ring in the new year, you have to make sure you go like, for all acquaintance be forgot. I mean, why bother singing? <laughs> I guess that's the point. Now, instrumental music is allowed as long as the musicians are at least six feet apart. And they must be from one of the three households. You can't bring in an outside uh, instrument. And, of course, any wind instrument, though, like a trumpet or a clarinet, strongly discouraged. Now, I try to make light of all this, but can you actually believe that a state in the United States of America, let alone the most populous state, issued these guidelines? Now, stamped prominently right on the guidelines are the seal of the governor, Gavin Newsom, and the acting director of the California Department of Public Health, Sandra Shuri. Sandra, I'd love to see your house on Thanksgiving to see how much of these guidelines you're going to follow. And Governor, I think if you try to tell us that you're going to follow these guidelines, you're as full of horse crap as the rest of the politicians in the United States. Now, if you think it can't get any worse than this, I happen to listen to an interview uh, an excerpt of an interview with Dr. Fauci um, when he was being questioned about the response of Australia and New Zealand and how they handled um, the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think Australia had locked down for 111 days in Melbourne, and they say they completely eradicated the virus. Whether that turns out to be true with the passage of time, only time will tell. 
but for the moment, they're claiming that they've done it. Dr. Fauci is enamored with this. That should come as no surprise to anyone who has listened to the great Dr. Fauci. Uh, he's made as many wrong calls on this as you possibly can. If he was working for the Major League Baseball, he'd be an out-of-work umpire right now. He said that wearing masks weren't necessary before. Now he says they are. He says closing down the travel is unnecessary. Now he says it was a great thing. Uh, he went through the first pitch, which landed somewhere between first base and the dugout uh, at the opening of the game, the Washington Nationals, I believe, in D.C. And then he proceeded to sit in the stands right next to someone who was not a family member or a close friend or a spouse, and he had no mask on, and um, he did that for the whole game. So uh, these people are largely full of it, but he's in favor of this lockdown. Now, I must tell you, I know this virus and the government response to it at the local level has affected different people differently, depending on the state that you're in and the degree to which that state locked you down or uh, imposed their will on your ability to live your life and conduct or operate your businesses. I am based here in New York. And New York, like California, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, California, uh, have been the most intrusive of all of the 50 states in terms of exerting their executive authority. New York City is practically bankrupt. There are businesses that are gone, that have been around forever, and that are not coming back. There are some that are absolute icons, including Patsy's, a famous restaurant on 56th Street, which was the favorite restaurant of the late, great Frank Sinatra, it's a staple. It's been in business over 50 years in the hands of the same family. If this lockdown were to go forward 111 days, they're gone. So are a lot of other businesses. There'll be no New York to come back to. It'll be finished. My own private business interests that I do in addition to this podcast will also be gone. I will have to shutter those businesses, never to reopen them again. I took a tremendous financial hit during the lockdown of the first order, which we had uh, earlier this spring. But I was willing to endure it because I thought there would be a light at the end of the tunnel and that we would come back. Because after all, when you work for yourself, you have to have something to come back to. If they were to do it again, I couldn't endure it. I would be under. There's no question, listening to Joe Biden and his continued exhortations of the necessity to follow the science, that if he were to be elected, he would do whatever the public health officials said should be done, which means he would do another lockdown. It would be a dark winter for sure, because we'd all be living like we were in a third world country. We'd be going hat in hand to the government. We'd be going to soup kitchens. We'd be on bread lines. We'd all be shells of our former selves and every bit of human dignity would be stripped from us. We would know poverty and hardship like no generation of Americans have known since the Great Depression. And these, these filthy Democrats who try and liken the, the, uh, the temporary loss of a few months that we had to the Great Depression are, are, are contemptible in stooping so low. But let me tell you, if they continue to do this, we will be in a Great Depression. The only man who's vowed to keep America open, to keep America working, 
while simultaneously working vigorously with pharmaceutical companies to research treatments and vaccines for this pandemic is President Donald Trump. And when it comes right down to it, the pandemic, now that we've learned more and more about this disease, they were able to isolate the DNA. They've done studies on people who have had it. We now know that the mortality rate overall is very, very low. The survival rate is about 99%. For children at school, the schools that they never want to open again, seemingly, 99.9% survival rate for those kids. Even elderly people, even people in Donald Trump's age group, because people were afraid for the president's life when he um, contracted it, because he's in his 70s, but Donald Trump doesn't have any other comorbidities. Even his survival rate was listed at above 95 or 94, 95%, very high. If there's a disease to be had and I have to get something serious, please let me get COVID-19 instead of cancer. I'll definitely roll the dice on that and take it. And for everybody else, the survival rates are between 95 and 99%, for most of us close to 99%. So we're going through an awful lot to prevent the transmission of something which is not going to kill a lot. Now, you're going to say, oh, Frank, how can you say that? 225,000 people have already died. Well, let me explain something to you. I've said it before, but if you're a new listener, I'm going to say it again. Every year in this country, 64,000 people die of the seasonal flu. Some people estimate it as high as 100,000. You never cared about it before because your phone wasn't blowing up every day telling you about all the people that died from it. Your public officials didn't care about it before because they weren't for running for election and they weren't trying to dislodge a man that they've tried everything to dislodge him with, which have all failed. And these same public health officials beseech you to get the flu shot every year, which may or may not be effective, but it's at least 50% effective because they're guessing which strain it's going to be. So imagine how many more people would die just of the regular flu if no one got inoculated. And the people who usually wind up getting inoculated, who are most encouraged to get inoculated, are the elderly because the elderly are always at risk for flu and any other type of respiratory disease. So let's take the regular flu, eliminate vaccines, and we can automatically state that this regular flu would probably result in at least 120,000 deaths, at least double the 64,000. But that's still not 220,000. Well, there were other things. I've said it before. Again, if you're a new listener, I want to say it again. <coughs> Excuse me. 40% of all the COVID-19 deaths we've had in this country have taken place in five states and in nursing homes alone in those five states. California, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York, where those governors mandated that any nursing homes that had beds accept COVID-19 patients. And Governor Cuomo had the audacity here in New York to state that it was the workers who brought the COVID-19 virus in. It couldn't possibly have been the COVID-19 infected patients, people that we knew were affected with COVID-19. They couldn't have been the ones that brought it in and gave it to the elderly who were already in residence, resulting in their deaths. No. No, he was just following federal guidelines, so he says. He didn't do anything wrong. It's all Trump's fault. But he doesn't want it investigated. 
But if he's so confident that he's innocent, why wouldn't he want it investigated? If he's so confident that President Trump is at fault, why wouldn't he want it investigated? Let it prove that. Because all it would do is prove that he's responsible for the deaths of thousands of people in nursing homes in New York State. And that's 40% of all the deaths. So you take the 40% off of 220,000, and you get a very, very different number. Okay? You get a very, very different number. Because that accounts for about 88,000 deaths right there. So now you're down to like 140,000 deaths. Well, we already said you get 64,000 deaths from the flu every year. And that's with the benefit of a flu shot. Without the flu shot, you'd probably have about 120, 130,000. So we're not that far off. We're spending an awful lot of capital, an awful lot of time, and doing a tremendous amount of economic and otherwise health damage to people by going out of our way to prevent something that just isn't worth preventing to this degree. How many people are delaying other operations for far more serious conditions because everything has been shut down to this COVID? It's insane. It's insane. In other news, Joe Biden finally came out of the basement. I guess they shamed him. He decided to drive over the border from Delaware to go into Pennsylvania to hold a rally. I think he had about uh, 26 people there. Most of them were press. That's about the best he could do. Kamala Harris had six cars at a car rally. Trump drove through Scranton, which was supposedly Joe Biden's old hometown, and he had tens of thousands of people there uh, at this gathering, tens and tens of thousands of people. Everywhere this man goes, thousands of people gather to see him. They just can't get away from him. They can't get away from him. Wherever he goes, he draws crowds. If you took Obama, who also drew nobody in Philadelphia and nobody in Florida when he was down there, if you took Obama, Biden, Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, all these darlings of the left, and you ran a mega event, they wouldn't draw collectively a fraction of what Donald Trump draws by himself. And yet they want you to believe that these crowds mean nothing, that it doesn't translate into votes. Look, I know a certain number of votes are guaranteed for a candidate just because he has a certain party line, just because there's a D in front of Joe Biden, he's going to get a certain number of votes. But there is no enthusiasm for Joe Biden. None. There's even less enthusiasm for Kamala Harris. She couldn't generate a single vote in the primary. She dropped out before there was a single primary because she knew she was dead in the water. Trump, on the other hand, has unbelievable enthusiasm on his side. So it's clear what's going on here. Everything is being done to not let you see Joe Biden. Everything is being done to protect Joe Biden. We have the tech giants suppressing stories that are now verified by multiple sources. Joe Biden is as dirty as, he, as it can get. His son, Hunter, is as dirty as, it, as, as you can get. And they're protecting them. They have no agenda. They're lying. They're going to have fracking. They're not going to have fracking. Well, maybe we'll have it on private land, but not public land. Maybe we'll get, no, fossil fuel. No, we're going to get rid of fossil fuel. No, no, we're going to have fossil fuel. They lie through their teeth, and their whole game plan is they're hoping that people just hate Donald Trump that much. When your 
governed by that kind of obsessive hate, where your hate is blinding you to logic. When you hate a man, you may not agree with his policies, but the man has his wits about him. He's competent. He has achieved things that other people thought were impossible. He's moved the, the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem like every president has promised in my lifetime, but none did. He shut down that little rocket man. He's backed up China with his trade deals. He's got Iran teetering on the brink. And he's getting us out of wars. This is something to be, to be uh, lamented. Our economy was booming prior to the pandemic. This is something to be lamented. I think not. I think not. And when your hate is such that you will disregard all of this just to get rid of the man because you don't like the way he tweets, you don't like the fact that he's gruff, and in his place, to get rid of him, you're willing to put in a man who is senile and competent and frail, who is never going to be able to discharge the duties of the office, who is going to be removed and replaced with an out-and-out socialist Marxist, you've lost your mind. And you're doing a disservice to your country, to yourself, and to your children. So wake up before it's too late. Wake up and smell the coffee. And vote for Donald Trump. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dick.